It's 2022, and many people like to start the new year with some resolutions or plans to make this year better than last. Maybe you've decided to make some changes in your lifestyle, stop those bad habits, or even changing the way you view yourself and the world around you. In today's podcast, Mike Tozer, licensed clinical professional counselor from Sarah Bush Lincoln, will share 10 ideas that can help you become mentally stronger. Now, the things that I talk about today obviously are not always like the funnest or the best way that we think we should spend our time. But the important part of this, in order to gain any type of change or any type of coping in our life, is it is something that we do have to do with regularity, which can present challenges. But in doing some of these things, we will find that they will become more a part of our routine in life and that we will have a chance to be able to cope with these situations sometimes that feel too overwhelming or we feel like there's nothing that we can do about it. Now, before you become overwhelmed with the idea of having to implement 10 different things, Mike says that you don't have to do all 10 to experience a change in your mental well-being. He'll explain more right after this. Having a trusted source of health care that's on your side. That's listening to you and addressing your health concerns is important. When you get excellent care close to home, we can do more together. We can achieve more together. We can be the kind of community we all want, and that's important. That's who we are. Sarah Bush Lincoln, trusted, compassionate care, right here, close to home. Hello and welcome to Health Styles. This is Lori Banks, and we're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our first podcast of 2022. A new year brings thoughts of change or maybe even a clean slate. Rather than overwhelm ourselves with a list of resolutions, we're here to talk about 10 ways to strengthen your mental well-being. Mike Tozer is here with the list, so let's get started. Mike, your first suggestion is to spend 15 minutes a day in quiet reflection. A lot of times when we think of change, we go to this all or nothing sort of approach. Um, You'll see quiet time, meditation, reflection. People have this idea of yoga, of this either yoga or Buddha sitting there meditating for hours on end. But really what I'm talking about today is finding a way to take 10 or 15 minutes out of our day in order to self-reflect, get ourselves grounded, get ourselves in a way that we can be preparing for the day to come or reflecting back on the day that we just had and what we can do the next day to go about it. And people usually say to me, I don't even have 15 minutes in a day. And that's where I have them get out the phone and talk, have them tell me, go into their phone, look at how much time they have spent on the phone during the day. And usually we can find 15 minutes (laughs) in order to begin to do something like this. So I would say that if you can do this at the start of the day, fine. I know that people can't do it every time at the start of the day. So you can do things at the start of the day. You can do this during lunch. 
you can do this before you go to bed, but it will require us to make a commitment to do something like this. And this is going to be with everything that I talk about today. We do have to make it a commitment and a priority. The next one is to do one tough thing every week. How do we go about starting that? One of the things that I will have people do that they at first are like, why are you having me do this? Was I'll tell them to put their clothes on differently in the morning than what they're used to. Most of us have a way that we do stuff like that or we have a routine of like how we get ready in the morning or how we do it at night. You can change that routine. You can change those things. The whole point of it is that we are training ourselves or teaching ourselves that change, we can get past uncomfortable change and know that we're capable of doing it. So doing smaller things like that or identifying maybe some larger things like we want to change our diet. So we maybe change one item that we normally eat during the week that we know we need to make a healthier substitute. So we can do things like that. And it's just about learning how to, to basically train ourselves to confront things that are uncomfortable so we can get an idea about how we will cope with uncomfortable things when there are larger things in our life. Mike, I see the next one is about writing in a gratitude journal. And I think some of our listeners may have grown just a bit on that one. And when I first bring this up, I get the reaction that probably some of you just had and that they're like, oh, you know, how am I going to do something like this? Or journaling, that's what counselors always have you do. But what I'm essentially saying is it's important for us to start scanning or teaching our brain or the way we think to look for things that are positive or that feel better. And when we have things coming at us all the time that are stressful or they feel stressful, learning how to find ways to think in a different way or to scan things for more positive is helpful. And it's not just about having positive thoughts, it's about having ourselves identify some things that are meaningful for us that make us feel better or the things that we are grateful for. And what I try to tell people is try to choose three new things in a day and not repeat the things that you did in the previous days. The reason for that is when we have to really focus on doing this, it makes us be able to again, just what we call scan or train ourselves to look for positive things when things may not necessarily always feel positive. It changes how our brain focuses, it changes how our brain thinks, and it also improves things like our mood and reduces our stress to practice this on a regular basis. So you can try it if it doesn't seem to work. It doesn't always work for everybody, but it can be a helpful strategy. A lot of New Year's resolutions revolve around health goals, which can sometimes be too lofty and not always achievable. What do you recommend so people can feel successful? Instead of like having longer term, far reaching goals, which aren't a bad thing, it's easier to break it down into more goals that are, that are more immediate and um, better sustainable. So I mentioned earlier, like, choosing one food item to substitute that 
is not necessarily healthy, but you can substitute something healthier. It doesn't have to be completely healthy. But the whole idea is maintaining a change of constantly and continuously basically updating our physical health. Like we can, if we're not doing any type of exercise, we can start with 15 minutes of walking, you know, at any point in time, or we can find ways to do exercise even in our office. Like, you know, exercises, there's more and more, including during the pandemic where they got creative and people being able to do things in their office or in their own home. So there are things out there to do. But again, if you make it seem too overwhelming, we're gonna we're not gonna sustain it. So implementing things a little at a time has more sustainability and it helps us feel like we're being more successful. The next one is to develop a kinder inner dialogue. How can that help with our mental health? Sometimes if we take a look at how we're talking to ourselves or the things we're saying to ourselves, we may begin to realize that it's not as kind or not as helpful as we may think or we may not even realize. This is the question I ask people that I work with in my office is, would you say those things to somebody that you care about or that you love? And usually the answer is, no, I wouldn't. I'm not saying that happens every time, but most people identify that a lot of times they'll talk better to coworkers, family, friends than they will themselves. And nobody really can come up with an answer as to why they do it other than we tend to we can tend to be more critical of ourselves. We may internalize things more um, about mistakes or things that we need. So finding ways to have a better dialogue internally, whether it be kinder or whether it just be more appropriate or more functional is helpful because, again, we're looking to change certain aspects about our behavior and our thinking that have kept us in ruts and have kept us doing um, things that are not so helpful and doing things that are unhealthy. So developing a different dialogue where you're not always being self-critical, where you're being able to be a little bit more forgiving of self or being a little bit more patient with self can be more helpful and it will help us be able to view things about ourselves and the people around us differently. Number six you have here is to become more aware of our feelings. So we tend to sometimes have you know, certain, you know, more appro more distinct feelings such as we tend to know anger, we tend to know feeling sad, but sometimes emotions are not quite so black or white. There's a lot of gray to emotions. So we also find that there are certain mo emotions that are covered up because of anger. Things like guilt um, is covered up by anger. Sometimes things that we feel guilty about, we tend to turn into anger and maybe project outwards onto other people. So during quiet times, during times when we are able to sit with ourselves, it's 
important to look at if I'm having just one or two particular emotions all the time. I really need to sit and think and really reflect and really journaling helps again. There's the dreaded journaling. But, but looking at, like, are there other things involved? Guilt is one thing that, that really is behind a lot of stuff. People tend to feel guilty or people feel a sense of obligation to do things. But it can turn into feelings of anger, feelings of sadness, um, and even bring on um, depressed moods. So taking the time of understanding, are there other emotions involved here? Are there emotions behind the ones I'm having? So we can identify those and re really learn to cope with those and find strategies to cope with those emotions rather than always feeling those one or two emotions that we're feeling all the time. All right, moving on, you suggest that we create a timeline for our dreams. Why is this bucket list or writing dreams down helpful? We, all, we oftentimes will talk about bucket lists or things that, oh, that would be great to do, but they stay thoughts, they stay dreams, they, uh, they are something that we think we will get to one day and then 10, 15 years goes by and we still haven't gotten to any of those. So writing those things down, having them available, one of the more popular things these days are what they call memory boards or um, timeline boards or um, wish boards. You could come up with any term for that, but those things that we keep visually, we can tend to be reminded of them Sometimes they make us feel guilty or stressed, but the whole idea is having something to write down and then starting to write down or take certain steps. You may know that it may take some time, it may take one, two, three years, but that's the challenge. In a day where we're looking for immediate results and things to happen quickly, it's harder sometimes to think about a place that we want to go on our bucket list that saving 20 bucks here or there or 50 bucks here or there when we have the chance will event will can lead us into doing our goal of taking a trip or if we want to go back to school or if we want to change careers or things that we want to be part of our life or that we dream about Again, these are things that we have to do a little bit more regularly and consistently, despite the fact that it may take us some time. So not giving up on the things that you dream about or want to do and revisiting, revisiting it and, again, doing things a little at a time will add up and can get us closer to what we actually want to do or what we dream about. Many of us have just spent the holidays around friends and family, and for most people, that is a good thing. Mike, can you talk about how that connection can help our mental well-being? And then also talk about spending time with those people who really drain us or just wear us out mentally. A lot of times, again, going back to guilt and obligations will drive us to f being around people 
that we don't necessarily want to be with. So we may have to look at minimizing that time and learning how to push through or work through the guilt or sense of obligation we feel. But then making it a priority to spend time with people that make us feel better, that support us, that make us like being with them because it makes us overall feel better. Sometimes it takes some sacrifice, but making ourselves a priority does take some sacrifice. And so finding people that you want to be with instead of you feeling obligated to be with is important to do in our lives to help us again maintain some emotional and mental health and strength. Number nine is about creating a life that is in line with our values. How do we go about that one? So not only do you look at trying to be consistent with things that we believe in and we hold value to, so for example, if family is a strong value we have, you know, am I doing the things that I say are important to me? Do I make the time for my family? Do I do things for my family? And not always out of a sense of obligation or, or need, but creating time that you want to create for that. Doing things like this are helpful for us because when we're consistent with things that we believe in, we tend to be more uh, healthy. We tend to be healthier. We tend to find that that recharges or resets us. The other thing about our values is we also need to be open to new ideas and different ways of thinking we don't necessarily have to change them as much as being open to them will allow us to have better relationships with people in our lives. We all have our own beliefs, but we all have to realize that we're not they're not always right or they're not always helpful in who we deal with all the time. So we do have to be flexible and not necessarily change our beliefs, but be open so we're not in constant conflict or angry conflict with people. And coming in at number 10, you say to give up one bad habit, which may be easier said than done, depending on what you choose. Touched on this along the way, you know, the, the whole idea of changing something that's tough. So it sort of falls into this. But what habits do you do that you are considering a bad habit or things that tend to not make you feel so good about yourself or just changing it for the sheer fact of knowing that you need to change but again trying to make yourself feel uncomfortable and learning how to deal with that discomfort that goes against what we always believe about ourselves because we want to do things that make us feel comfortable and feel better but it is necessary for us to learn how to confront things that don't make us feel good so we have the resilience, we have the coping ability to do so. One of the easiest ones to do in today's age is changing one bad habit such as being on your phone as much as you are. Like is very helpful and goes along with a lot of other things that we say. But it can be a bad habit that we have our nose and our face stuck in the screen for so long and that we are ignoring other things that we may need to do or even want to do. So 
changing the bad habit or, I, or finding habits that we know are bad and beginning to make changes with them, again, will help us grow emotionally and mentally stronger. And the one thing I would like to end with is all of these things that I've talked about doing, they can be difficult. And yes, they can be. But things being difficult does not mean a reason to not do them. If we're feeling unhealthy, if we're feeling overly stressed and overwhelmed, at least trying some of these things can be helpful. It's what I tell everybody else when they maybe balk at these or they say, well, I just can't do them. And I'll just say, so are the things you're doing more helpful than trying this or not? And most people tend to look at me like you got a point. So trying them, you're not really going to lose out on things that you're doing now. It's not as though that the trying these are going to make things be worse for you but they can make it be better for you. Mike, as always, we appreciate you talking to us. You've given us a lot to think about and consider. Remember to start with one change you want to make and avoid tackling too many things at once. Genuine self-improvement isn't about setting a goal with an end date and then deciding that you succeeded or failed a few weeks later. Mike says that mental strength training is about becoming a little better each day throughout the entire year. So keep that in mind as you go down this road to greater mental strength and resilience this year. Thanks for listening and we hope you'll join us again. To learn more about Mike and Sarah Bush Lincoln, please visit our website at sarahbush.org.